Today's guest is Alexandria Degree. She's the founder and CEO of Ask Degree, which is focused on comprehensive and cohesive compliance management uh, by optimizing fintech products, systems, and people. Uh, as we were talking before we started the recording, Alexandria is also involved in banking as a service, which is something I've never heard of before. It's such an interesting concept. Um, and so maybe, who knows, maybe that'll come up in here, or maybe it's something people can go just check out on their own. But either way, sure. thank you for joining me today, Alexandria. Absolutely. My pleasure. I'm so excited to, to be here. I'm definitely considered a compliance geek, so <laughs> I think I'm in the right spot. Awesome. Well, for those who haven't uh, met you or got to know you, Talk a bit about your background, where you're from, who you are, and what you do. Sure thing. So my name's Alexandria Degree. Um, I'm actually from Imperial Beach, which is uh, within San Diego County, California. Um, both of my parents were in the Navy, so I guess you can consider me a Navy brat. Um, we lived in a couple places. I guess the, the most fun was ADAC, Alaska. Um, yeah, so that, that one was cool. Um, but then when my dad got out of the service, uh, we went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My mom's family w- was in that area. And that's where I finished out middle school, high school, college. Um, in my undergrad, I did do a semester in New York. I didn't like it. So I went back to <laughs> Wisconsin. Um, and I actually started my college career with a major in psychology and a minor in sociology. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I would say about my sophomore year, I got a job at, at a credit union, which um, funny story, I didn't even apply to it. My sister actually applied for me um, <laughs> and she never lets me live it down. She's like, I'm the reason your whole career exists. So thanks, <laughs> Nicole. <laughs> and so um, I was just, you know, just as a college student, I was thinking I'm going to be a teller. This works with my school schedule and I'll find my career after I, I, I graduate. Um, and so my actually my junior year, I got a promotion at the credit union and became a member finance rep, which was basically like a loan officer. Um, and with that promotion, though, that meant I had to do more hours. And so the school schedule was bumping up against my, my work schedule. And so I made the decision to actually go into the, the College of Business because they had evening classes. Mm-hmm. And so I switched my major um, midway in my junior year to business management. And I wrote that out. And then almost right after I graduated with, with my bachelor's, I went into the MBA program. Um, both degrees are, are from Cardinal Stritch. Um, and that's kind of my, my educational background. Um, it wasn't necessarily um, done with the thought that one day I was going to own a business or, or run a business. It was just, um, I knew I wanted to get a degree. Um, I knew that this was the degree that fit with my, my work schedule. And so I kind of just jumped into it. <laughs> and, and, and on a whim, it, it kind of all worked out for me. Um, at the credit union itself, I was just doing... Um, random jobs, you know, I really didn't have a a plan for it. It was just, if there was a promotion that was up and I felt like I had the skills for it, then I applied. And so I went from being a teller to the loan officer. um, And then I became a vault supervisor and being a vault supervisor, I got exposure to like auditing and quality control Mm -hmm. and some of the principles of, of compliance. Um, And then after I finished my MBA, I decided to leave Wisconsin and move to California. And in California, I got a job at a bank as a compliance analyst. Um, And 
I really just rode the compliance train from, from there on out. Um, it was a pretty interesting organization that I got into. They were evolving. Um, they had just uh, evolved from being a credit union to a community bank. And then they had ambitions of being a state bank. So um, watching that entity grow and go through these different cycles taught me a lot about what I like to call the skeleton of a bank, you know, how all the departments and all the functions work together. Um, that was a really great learning experience for me. Um, and uh, maybe about two, three years after working in the bank, I got an opportunity to go into debt buying. So debt buying is third-party debt collections. Um, and I was offered the position of the chief compliance officer. So I think I was about 26 at the time. Um, and I had two locations uh, under me, one in Los Angeles, one in Chicago. Um, and it was an interesting time, the CFPB. Um, which is an enforcement agency, mm -hmm. um, had just issued guidance on their oversight over this market. Before then, um, it was a very loosely regulated part of financial services, the, the third-party debt collection space. And so they needed to build a compliance management system that would monitor the things that the CFPB said that they were going to be looking for. And so I got the opportunity to come in and, and build that program from scratch. And that's where I really started to learn that I enjoy building more than I enjoy maintaining. Mm. Um, and so that build took maybe a year or so. And then from there, I was presented with an opportunity to go into Loan Depot. Uh, Loan Depot um, historically is in the mortgage space and they wanted to enter into the unsecured lending space. And so they spun up a division and they needed someone to be over the compliance program. And I was given the opportunity to be over that compliance program. And that's also where I got my first uh, exposure to the banking as a service model. Um, and so I was able to build out that compliance program there, there at Loan Depot. And there is where all the light bulbs, I would suppose, start flickering of understanding how all of these things work together. Um, it was really interesting to see how Loan Depot was built internally. And I became extremely interested in not just the compliance silo, but the entire operational system um, is, is where I, I really started focusing when I was there. Um, and again, it, it was the same cycle I, I built. I got to a point where it was, it was needed to be just maintained. I was bored. And so I, I jumped in and I went to an, another financial company uh, that was also um, embarking on the banking as a service model. So they were partnering with the bank and they needed a program built. And, and so I was recruited um, to go over there and build that program. And, and so all of this was, let's say, under my W-2 life is, is what I call it. And um, so, it, you know, at that time I started moonlighting. Um, I was making friends in the fintech space and, you know, some of my friends were spinning up their own platforms and, and they needed, you know, compliance consultancy. And, and so I, I would support them in that way. Um, and then uh, one of those, those individuals um, who I used to work with at Loan Depot was, you know, asked what, what was I doing at the time? 
And I was like, I'm actually looking for somewhere else to jump because I've, I've done all the building. I don't want to maintain. I need to go, you know, have fun again and build more. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, Tim Lee, shout out to Tim. <laughs> he said, uh, well, I'm spinning something up. Come over here. Um, I'm, I'm going into the banking as a service model. I need you to, to build this out. And then he was also doing some things with on the licensing front. So I had some exposure to completing lending licensing applications and um, we we joined together um, and I helped to, to kind of build out his compliance program. Um, and then within that year, this is um, about 2017, I formally spun up Astagree because I, 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 I was just at the point where this is what I love to do. This is what I enjoy doing. I love being in, uh, you know, in the mud, building it from scratch and, and getting that, that baby to kind of stand up and, and walk on its own and then handing it out to a proper steward so they can maintain it and, and let it grow. And so the rest is basically history from, from that point. Now, that's really interesting. Now, I, I know what compliance is because in my field, we have a lot of IT compliance uh, on requirements, you know, regulatory requirements, but for many people may not realize. So could you, can you talk just uh, briefly about what, why compliance? Why is that even important for companies to have a compliance office? Yeah, absolutely. Like compliance, um, many people think of compliance as this is what's used to keep you out of jail. Right. You know, there's there's laws, there's there's codes, there are things, there's a certain way that you must do business. It's not a free for all. Um, One of the most important things in our society is trust Mm -hmm. and compliance is is really the bedrock of ensuring that trust is maintained throughout society, because if people can't trust when they're engaged in the transactions, then the entire house of cards basically collapses. And so depending on what space you're in, um, there's more or less regulation um, associated with your business activity. We can say that financial services and let's say healthcare are probably some of the most heavily regulated spaces that you can do business. Um, And these regulations cover things from, you know, how do you properly identify who you're engaging in a transaction with all the way to marketing. You know, how are you permitted to market your product? You want to make sure, and we want the public to know that if they see a marketing piece, they can take it at face value. They can trust what's written there. They can trust that if it says the the interest rate is going to be 5%, then the interest rate is going to be 5%. You don't want to get a loan and, and everything on the paperwork said 5%, but now you're paying 38%. That would uh, erode the trust in our system. And so, Compliance is is really about the system to ensure that all of the rules that are applied to that business model are really being operationalized within that business. So you want to have checks and balances to make sure that one, everyone's operating correctly. But on the flip side of this, if you really understand compliance, it's about optimization. Like we talk about the Ford model and and what Ford did to to business and, and really what Ford did was the principles of compliance. You find the best way to do things, the best way to use your resources, and you put controls in place to ensure that this is a repeatable process so that you can keep getting the best out of the resources that you have so that you can scale and grow. And that's really what our take on compliance is. It's yes, there is that we're going to keep you out of jail side of it. But the other side is we're going to ensure that you're creating processes that scale and scale properly. That's very interesting. So is there a big relationship between compliance and risk? Oh, yes. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Risk um, would be the larger umbrella, I would say, and compliance falls under risk. So there are several different types of risk that a business wants to ensure that they are aware of and mm-hmm. that they have controls in place to mitigate. Some of the most, let's say, popular risk would be like reputational risk, financial risk, operational risk, and then compliance comes in and has policies and procedures and controls to ensure that those risks are being maintained in a proper way to ensure the health of the organization. Oh, that's very interesting. I, I've done a lot with compliance, but I've never really thought of it in that way. So that's very helpful. So, all right, let's let's rewind the clock a little bit. You you went to college. You said psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started with a psych and a sociology minor. <laughs> now, no no doubt that that's probably helped you along the way with the people you interact with. Oh, absolutely. How, what was your decision for that? You know, I have always been curious about how things work. And, you know, I I think, I don't know what year it is. I I feel like it was my freshman year. Um, I decided that I wanted to understand how people work. Because if you understood how the individual works and then how the individual works in relation to the society that they're in, then really any position or any job that you pick, this is going to be a valuable skill to have because Mm -hmm. you're going to understand, in a lack of a better terms, your opponent. Um, And so I decided to, to go down that track. And I think I just had a natural knack for it. I was always that friend that people felt comfortable telling uh, their, let's say, deepest, darkest secrets to and things of that nature. So I've always had that side of me of being very personable. Um, and I, I thought that uh, diplomacy was also something that was, that was pretty important. And so again, understanding um, the perspective and, and the way people look at things. And um, I just thought that these were really good skills to have and, and it, it interests me. Yeah, that's right. It interests me as well. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you, you did your, your, your degrees in business. Uh-huh. How, how do you get educated for compliance, though, right? If, that, if business, everybody knows what an MBA is, right? Uh-huh. And it prepares you for all the aspects, majority of aspects of business. So a lot yeah. you got to learn through experience. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, what about for compliance? Like, did you have to do additional training on that? Or is it something you just learn as you do? So the way that I did it was a very much so crash course style. So (laughs) I I didn't go into my college degrees even really having an awareness of the compliance discipline. And even when I was working within the, uh, the credit union, compliance wasn't really talked about audit was talked about, but compliance wasn't really captured. And it wasn't until I was in the weeds of it that I understood that there was a separation between audit, compliance, legal, like they're all in the same, let's say color family, but they're different hues. Um, And so as I was in the organizations, I'm I'm sure you're aware, there's always network or or industry events. Um, And so I would attend, whether it was webinars, actual conferences and things of that nature, I started getting exposed to the principles of compliance and, and what it's really about. But the correlation between that and let's say my degrees was really nothing. There, there was really nothing from um, my educational background that pointed a North Star towards compliance. But looking back in hindsight, I see how they all dovetail together. But um, at the time when I was going through my schooling, there was nothing that said, okay, because you're in this space, 
compliance would make sense for you. Hopefully that's changed now because, you know, compliance has seen a, a bit of a, a boom in, in the past several years. So hopefully some universities are catching on to linking compliance as a career path for some of these degrees. Yeah, it would be smart. Now, maybe not in the general business sense, but certainly yeah. like I know uh, in my in my master's program uh, in IT, we had to talk about risk, compliance uh -huh. versus opportunity, uh -huh. right? And, and, and then of course, ethics fits in there somewhere as well. Yeah. Um, so interesting. I, yeah, I, I'm just curious because of your business uh, education, um, how that translated and that, that makes a lot of sense that it, it does translate right in the grander screen scheme yeah. of how a business operates compliance is a critical function. Exactly. And I, and I would add to that, that when I started moving into compliance, I realized that compliance was basically my skeleton key because I was always curious about how everything worked but to get exposure into the other areas of the business, it was very difficult if you're starting from a point in let's say yeah. sales, you know, as a teller, you're, you're in sales. And so the business is only exposing you for the most part to things that have to do with your job function. But then I realized when I got into compliance, it's basically like the golden skeleton key. I'm now getting access into an accounting and I'm getting access into HR. I'm getting access into development and IT, and I'm getting access basically into every door using this compliance key. And that is part of what drove me to stay in compliance because it was giving me this holistic view on the businesses. Hmm. So as you've gone through this career, um, what's something you've witnessed that you think we should do differently, right? Maybe, maybe it's really hard and it'd be hard to change, but we should certainly consider it. What, what's something that you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say the number one thing that I'm focused on in my team is actually focused on um, turning the ship here is operationalizing compliance. Historically, compliance has been a check the box type of mm -hmm. uh, exercise. Um, in financial services, AML, so anti-money laundering, has received a lot of attention. And I would say by and large, that piece of compliance management has been operationalized. But many of the other areas, it's just like a policy or procedure that sits on the shelf and, and no one really pays attention to it unless they have to. And really what I feel that that is actually a disservice to the business as a whole, because basically it's like having a car in the garage that you never drive. You have this tool, you have these controls in place, and when they're integrated into the bedrock of the organization, the analytics that you're able to pull out from having these sensors, basically, in the different places of the organization can really help from an operational perspective. It's not, and this goes back to what I was saying before, it's not just about keeping you out of jail. There's a lot of data that you have just sitting and wasting that is visible to the compliance function that's not being fed back in to the decision makers who can really use this information to refine and optimize the, the operation. So that's really what I would think would be a significant focus is if the attitude towards what compliance actually is shifted and they understood that this is a tool that can really be used to, to put some rocket boosters on the organization. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree. So, so what's coming up for you the next year? Um, so what we in our space are, are, are really focusing on is this, I wouldn't say it's a new phenomenon, but it's a phenomenon that's coming to a head and it's, um, 
I call it the solving uh, the decentralized but centralized paradox. So at a high level, what has happened in our ecosystem is that the processes needed to actually produce and deliver financial services have been greatly decentralized. Opposed to how it was, you know, maybe a decade or so ago where banks, brick and mortar banks would provide these services and everything was done in house. Now you have it where fintechs are doing maybe 30% of the work. And then behind the scenes, they have 10, 20, 30, or even 100 other service providers that are doing different functions. And the problem that is occurring is that although you're getting these benefits of you know being able to get to market faster being able to focus and, and put all your energy on the things that you have a mastery over you're not paying attention to the increase in your reputational risk the increase of your business continuity risk and the increase of your general legal risk and so i don't know how close you follow let's say the, the crypto space but when you create these spider web organizations where your service is dependent on, you know, 50 or 100 other companies, you need to be aware of their risk profiles intimately, because if one of those dominoes falls, then the whole house of cards comes tumbling down. And so it's really focusing here, because if we don't innovate in this space, the regulators are really going to have no choice but to you know, slam the gavel down, which is going to hurt us from an innovation perspective. So our goal in this year is to really work with, you know, some of our fintech partners and think about ways that we can proactively solve for this issue without the regulators having to come in and tell us what we have to do to solve for this issue. So that's something that's at the forefront of my mind is really looking at this decentralized, centralized paradox and putting some, some guardrails in place. Well, that's a great one because yes, you're right. If government gets involved, then it it gets tough for all of us. Yes, exactly, exactly. So we want innovation to flourish, but we want to be smart about it. Well, Alexander, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing a bit about your story and introducing my audience to a topic I never even considered, which is the banking industry, but has such a large impact on our lives. So thank you for Absolutely. the work you do. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was a blast and I can't wait to uh, look at more of your interviews.